Oh, what is the upskies, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. This is episode 44, and this is my weekly hockey news show where I go through some of the major news around the NHL and mostly focus in on the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Calgary Flames, and the Canadian hockey teams. But I like to talk about all the hockey teams. I'm a big old fan of the NHL. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get into some of the topics on today's show. We're going to be talking about goaltending in the NHL. I have to talk about the Boston Bruins, even though it makes me upset. Got to talk about the Calgary Flames had a really big, important week, along with the the Winnipeg Jets. Got to do the Leaf Talk. Got to do uh, some, we got some, what, hold on now, hold on now. What do we got? We got some milestones. We got a new goaltender joining the Buffalo Sabres, which I kind of forgot to talk about last week when I was talking about goaltending and the Buffalo Sabres. So there's a lot to talk about. I mean, I'm a little bit late with this episode. My apologies. I, I The day got away from me the other day. I had to get some x-rays done. And you know how it is. Life is life. You got you get busy sometimes. But anyway, it's better late than never. Better late than never. There we go. So, geez, where do I want to start? I think I should start with the Calgary Flames because they're kind of the reason why I delayed this podcast because I wanted to I wanted the Jets and the Flames game to be done with so I could talk about it because that game had some very very big uh, importance to that game and then yesterday the Leafs were playing uh, the Bruins. I was like, oh, snap, I, I should probably wait until after that game. And then when the game was over, I just, I did not have the energy to record a podcast. I wanted, I just, I just didn't want to do a tired, sleepy podcast. So here we are. So let's talk about that game, man. The Flames versus the Jets. Big, big win there for the Flames. I mean, their playoff chances are still kind of minimal. They don't have a great chance. I mean, Nashville is still back there. Winnipeg, it's still up in the air. But the big problem, the big thing was they got that win. And if they got that win, it would have been so much better if they just beat the fucking Chicago Blackhawks before that, dude. Oh, my God. So throughout this year, I've uh, been talking about the Calgary Flames and every single time that the Chicago Blackhawks came up on their schedule I was like oh you gotta win that game that should be a I'm not gonna I'm not gonna see an easy win but that is a game that you you have to win it I mean there's really no excuses for you to lose the Chicago Blackhawks in any of the times that they met this season and they lost every single fucking time they lost again and that could be seriously the nail in the coffin I said it every single time that the Flames lost to Chicago this year is like that could be the end of their se- that could be we can go back and look at that loss and be like this is why and here we are we're at the end of the season we're at crunch time and we're looking at those losses reflecting back on those really really bad losses to Chicago and like man if you just won those games those games that on paper are easy wins we would not be in this position I mean the way that the Jets have just wow they've just fallen off a cliff over the last couple months the the door was wide open for Calgary for Calgary to take it and coming into the season I mean it was it felt like almost a guarantee that they were going to make the playoffs they had a fantastic team on paper even with all the turnover it looked like on paper that they were a better team but then the season happened it's just been an immense disappointment of just inconsistencies peaks and valleys I mean you win a couple and you go on a losing streak goaltending's been super inconsistent and disappointing all season long Markstrom 
sort of getting it together right now, but like it's too it's too late, man. Like the only the only thing that would be good if if they do make it, then that would be good to see that Markstrom's starting to get into form. If they make it into the playoffs, then oh yeah, you're, it's gonna be really good to have Markstrom in playing form because you're gonna need that guy, but fuck dude that loss to chicago man like it got me going into the depths of the of the stats and um against non-playoff teams the calgary flames they've they picked it up over the last like in march they picked up some wins over non-playoff teams but overall the record is 17 13 and 5 against non-playoff teams and that's just that's not good enough you're at 500 um the article that I read when they wrote that article, the record was about even. I think it was like thirteen. Uh, anyway, it was it was a, they picked up about four wins in March over non-playoff teams, except for Chicago. But dude, I mean, how many? Though that's way too many games. That like thirteen, like it's not a horrible record overall. Like seventeen, thirteen, and five. It's it's, it's under NHL. Well, it's in my books, is under NHL under 500 because you're technically 17 and 18 you got a losing record against teams that aren't in the playoffs right now and a lot of those teams are like the bottom feeding teams anaheim they did well against san jose this year i will say that but fuck dude chicago like oh i think they had a loss or two against anaheim and those are just inexcusable losses on the record and again you go back you win half of those games. You you add you you take even just four or five of those losses. You make it. You're twenty ten and five against non playoffs teams. We probably the Flames would be in a playoff position right now. And another thing that the, has been a problem with the Flames over this whole season. I mean, there's been a lot of problems. I mean, I think they had a record. There was something floating around that they haven't had any comeback victories, I believe, this this year, which is a little bit odd because one of the main reasons why I've loved Calgary over the years is they've always kind of been that comeback under underdog team. That's when I like Calgary the most, when people are underrating them. And that's when they do better, honestly. When, when people are underrating Calgary, they do well when there's a lot of hopes and pressures on Calgary, they kind of crumble. I mean, there were some hopes and, and stuff for them this year. They crumbled really badly. So maybe next year the the heat, the flame will be turned down a little bit on the Calgary Flames and they can they can thrive in that underdog role that I, I feel like that's where they, they do their best work. But anyway, the, the losing against the non-playoff teams this season has been inexcusable. Basically, sunk the whole season if they if they don't make it. There is still a slight chance, but the math is still pretty bad for them. It's I believe it's like under thirty percent. Which I mean, you're yep, you're telling me there's a chance. Yep, absolutely, there's a chance. There's not many games left. Flames would have to go on and win every single game for their best opportunity to get in there. But oh boy, man, it's 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 very fun to watch. At least like I'm. With bated breath, they have another pretty big game coming up here against Nashville on Monday. They got Vancouver on Saturday and San Jose on Wednesday to finish out the season. So they only got three games left. They can get a possible six points. They're going to need those six points, I would say, because you got Nashville's right behind them. They got one game in hand, 88 points. Calgary's at 89. They're tied now with Winnipeg at 89 points. They have a game in hand as well. So it's going to be it's going to be nail biting for Calgary. Like the the best they can do is win those three games. I would say those three games are winnable. Those are three winnable games. I, I mean, Nashville's going to be fighting for their lives. Vancouver, they're out of it, but they're 
they're trying to do that false hope thing that they're always doing, so they're playing well right now, and then San Jose, if you lose that, I mean, then you don't deserve to make it into the playoffs, in my opinion, but they're going to have to win those three games, I would say, for sure. And then, oh, excuse me, I was just going to uh, pop up the old Winnipeg Jets schedule here and see uh, if, if their games are much harder or easier. But it's so dang hard sometimes to navigate the, the fucking NHL app sometimes, bro, I tell you. So, Winnipeg, they got Nashville, that's a huge game uh, tomorrow, Saturday. They got San Jose, Minnesota, and Colorado. So they got Minnesota and Colorado on that schedule, that is going. That's going to be tough for the Winnipeg Jets, man. Those is going to be nail biting down to the wire for the Winnipeg Jets, Nashville, and Calgary Flames. So, if Winnipeg wins out, they win out. But that's that's a tough little schedule right there. And like I said, Nashville, they're going to be playing for their lives. San Jose, you got to win that game, but they got a back to back. Minnesota the next night. Minnesota is a hot team. You got Colorado to finish out the season. They're going to be on fire, and Colorado. May want to play spoiler. Maybe they maybe there's a situation where Colorado wants to lose this game, so they draw the Winnipeg Jets or something like that. But oh my goodness, man, that is going to be a real fun ride down to the end. But I'm always if the Flames don't make it, if they make it, I'm always I'm just gonna I'm not going to let go of those losses to Chicago. It's like oh my god, you could have made this season so much less stressful if you were just winning the games that you should have been winning the whole time, and. I'll say it again. I mean, a lot of people think that the Flames are trying to miss the playoffs in a way. I think that's a little bit outrageous, but uh, apparently they they are playing the way that they're playing because they want to get rid of Daryl Sutter, which I completely understand. I'm I'm on that boat. Like I'm ready for the Flames to move on from him. He has an expiration date. He can you can only keep Sutter around for so long before the team starts to revolt against him because he's so miserable. He's just not a guy you want to really be around for all that long he's just too negative and mean spirited I guess but um yeah I think the expiration is is past due with Daryl Sutter and the Calgary Flames who's up next for for the job I'll, I'll say it again I think they should maybe investigate the guy that was coaching the Calgary or uh the Florida Panthers before I think it was Brunette but uh, maybe give that guy a call and just find someone that can work well with Huberto and see what's going on there and oh also um so people talking shit about Kadri uh, because he wasn't playing very well. I mean, it's a little bit disappointing. I must, I must admit. I, I saw, I was watching that game, and yeah, he was kind of dogging it a little bit. And that's not. I mean, it kind of reminds me of old day Kadri when he was young and learning things, and he wasn't necessarily like dogging it back then, but he was definitely irresponsible and and acting immature back then. And yeah, it kind of reminded me of um, seeing him in those days. So I don't know, man. Like. Kadri's going to be there for a while, so you're going to want to make it work there, and um, yeah, I'm just hoping that they can make it into the playoffs, and then uh, whatever animosity that may be building in that locker room right now, not saying that there is, but maybe maybe there is a divide in that locker room, I don't know just yet, there hasn't been any stories, I'm just speculating at this point, but if they if they end up losing out this season, they don't make the playoffs, then maybe that's going to start building some, some friction between teammates or something like that, so I don't know, I'm just hoping that if they, they make it in there, winning kind of heals all problems so if there is any problems in in that locker room right now winning would would fix a lot of that anyway at least put a band-aid on it until next season when they start hating each other again but anyway that's just speculation on my part so speaking of speculation what the fuck is going on in the city of phoenix and and arizona and all this shit so 
there's suing going on right now. I'm not I'm not a lawyer, so I'm I don't know. And I think there's like a counter suing now. But anyway, the city of Phoenix has filed a lawsuit against Tempe from building the entertainment district that they wanted to build for the Arizona Coyotes. They're, they had this big plan. They're gonna build a nice big stadium, whole bunch of stores and like a mall or some shit, a whole bunch of residential buildings and all this shit, and then. Phoenix is like, oh, hell to the na-na. It's way too close to an airport, and there's going to be too much noise, and it's all baloney, man. It's all bullshit. Like, they've already built, they've built buildings in the area that, it's all silly. So, Phoenix is suing Tempe to not build their district, and now I think they're counter-suing them for suing them because they're suing the suing and suing. You know what I'm saying? It's all a little bit ridiculous, so... That's going on right now, and all I can, all I'm, I'm just sitting here like, if I was a Phoenix fan, Arizona fan, whatever, it's just like, Jesus Christ, man, at this point, I may even just want the team to move just so we can be done with it, like, it's like, can you just take my team, and can we just put them somewhere and be done with it, so that, like, oh my god, man, like, this, this thing with Phoenix, Arizona has been going on in the NHL for so long, it's like, this team has been on life support forever, and at this point, they almost seem like, um, what do you call it, uh, a money laundering scheme or something as an NHL team. Like, they, they have more money on their books and dead cap and, and players that aren't playing anymore than they actually do players playing on their team. So, like, it's a really kind of a greasy, weird-looking organization at this point. They're playing in a fucking 5,000-seat arena. And, yeah, man, it's a really bad, ugly look for Arizona for a very long time. I mean, they haven't had a whole lot of success and people are going to be, they're always going to have that argument. It's like, oh, if you didn't have the Arizona Coyotes, you wouldn't have Austin Matthews. It's like, okay, um, maybe, maybe not. I don't know about that. I mean, Austin, there's, uh, and it, does that necessarily, like, I don't know if that necessarily means that's a, a lack of hockey in the desert problem. And I think it's more of an NHL branding problem, how they, they don't brand the game very well and make it very accessible to people. It's a very expensive sport to get into. I, myself, was priced out of ever playing hockey growing up because it was way too expensive for me growing up. I was a poor kid, and I wanted to try out hockey, and we went into a hockey store, even a used hockey store, and to get into it, it was like multiple hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars, and it's not not every single parent is going to be willing to drop down hundreds and hundreds of dollars for something they think may just be a hobby or a fad or something that's going to go away in a couple of years. So yeah, hockey is not a very accessible sport. They've, they're, they try to make it work in the desert. I can applaud them for trying, but like when, when, when is it, like, when are they going to admit that like, it's just hasn't worked? I mean, it's been there for so long. Has it ever really had any major success? I mean, I felt pretty good about it when they announced this whole district thing that they were going to build a nice big arena with the whole everything around it, a nice big like epicenter of entertainment. I mean, great. That's awesome. Maybe that would have worked out, but now we got all this hoopla air like the their own city doesn't want it to happen. They're they're building it like on a landfill, so like they're doing Arizona Phoenix a favor. Hey, we're going to clean up this landfill of garbage we'll clean it out for you we'll put this nice big awesome entertainment complex there and like everybody wins right everybody gets a whole bunch of money phoenix gets to play arizona gets to play in a real building and their fans can actually start maybe enjoying being hockey fans i don't know but all that shit's going on right now it's really just uh quite silly i would have to say 
Speaking of quite silly, the Boston Bruins. Okay, let's let's have a chat about the Boston Bruins. All right, sixty wins. Congratulations, Boston Bruins. You're having one of the most successful, one of the most amazing seasons, regular seasons in history. And you've been shoving it up my hoop all year long. I predicted that the Bruins were going to miss the playoffs. And uh, thank you very much, Boston Bruins, for making me look like an absolute moron. But it is what it is. It's okay. So the Bruins are uh, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. They've clinched the playoffs numerous weeks ago. They've clinched the President's Trophy, so they're already going to, they already got that under their belt. So now the conversation has begun. Will the Bruins blow it in the first round? And why is that the conversation? Well, because if you look back at the history of President's Trophy winning teams, they don't have a good track record in the playoffs. A lot of those teams burn out in the playoffs. They have spectacular losses and upsets and stuff like that. We'll, we'll talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning. When they uh, won the President's Trophy, 60-plus win season, I believe. They had a fantastic year. Meet the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round. They get swept, embarrassing, all of that. And then, I don't know, that kind of just set the flame. And it's okay. The Tampa Bay Lightning went on to win two Stanley Cups, three appearances in the finals. It's all okay. But that loss, I mean, oh my goodness. The the amount of embarrassment that the Tampa Bay Lightning fans, the, the amount that that team felt, I mean, Kucherov, Oh my god, dude, I'll never forget that that handshake line when he and Panarin uh, were shaking hands in that lineup and Panarin was like laughing at him and trying to make jokes about it and Kucherov like had that look in his eyes. Like that was the look of a man that would that has changed. That was the look of a man that changed and everything in his mind has changed and that that flipped the switch I think in in their minds and that's why they've won Stanley Cups. But the Bruins. So everyone's talking about the Bruins. They've won the President's Trophy, and now who are they going to play in the first round, you may be asking. Well, we don't know that just yet. It could be the Pittsburgh Penguins. It could be the Islanders. It could be... Who else is in there? Who else is in there? Blah, 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 blah. Other teams. Anyway, well, it's going to be oh, Florida, Florida Panthers. And everyone's kind of talking about any of those teams as being a problem for the Boston Bruins in the first round, which is interesting. So the conversation is... When a team is this successful throughout the regular season, and they did, I mean, they didn't have, the Bruins didn't have really any animosity, didn't have any problems really this season. I, I think that's a little bit false, because at the beginning of the season, I think they had a ton of that. They were down Brad Marchant, they were down McAvoy, they had David Krejci returning to the NHL, he hasn't played in the NHL in over a year. Bergeron's a year older, they're down major defensemen and all of that, so I think they did uh, play through problems. They had ups and downs throughout the season. I just think that it's been so long that that and they've been so successful, so dominant that that's kind of been forgotten about. So the Bruins did deal with some shit. Like they had the pressure was on them at the beginning of the year. <coughs> Excuse me, and that's why I had them missing the playoffs because they had so many major injuries. Pasternak was dealing with some injuries as well. Is he going to be coming back and playing as amazing as he was? And the answer to that was yes, of course. He is absolutely he's going to hit 60 goals this season. Like, oh my God. But yeah, I think the Bruins battled through that, and that's what set them off. Like getting through that, not having Brad Marchand, not having a lot of their major players, and they just went on a run at the beginning of the year and just has not stopped. But 
now it's been so long that they kind of been coasting for so long in the season, just winning and winning and winning, not going on new big losing streaks all season long. But whenever they go on a little losing streak of whatever two games or whatever it was that they, everyone's like, oh, there they go. Will the Bruins get swept in the playoffs? It's like, what? Where are you getting that? But I understand. I understand because the teams that are playing, uh, that could be playing Boston in the first round, Pittsburgh, Florida, New York Islanders, they're playing for their lives right now. They're playing some very, very intense hockey right now. They Arguably, they're playing some playoff-level hockey in terms of intensity and importance and pressure and all that. So those teams are kind of already in that playoff mode right now. They're playing for their lives. And the Bruins have been their President's Trophy winners already. They've clinched a playoff spot months ago. Everything's going great. And um, maybe they're getting a little bit comfy. Maybe they're getting a little bit comfortable Maybe teams are uh, not playing them as hard for some reason. I don't think that's the case, but um, I don't know. Maybe the Bruins just, it's been a little bit too easy. And once the playoffs start, things definitely get cranked up a lot. You're it, It's a totally different situation. You're locked in a cage, basically, with your opponent for four to seven games. And um, it's a lot different. You don't play one team that many times in a row ever in the regular season. So it's completely different. And um, yeah, the Islanders, that is a team that I would be a little bit scared about in the first round. They got Elias Sorokin, who's arguably one of the best, if not the best goaltender in the league right now. That guy is amazing. And um, Islander hockey, man. Islander hockey is dangerous, especially when it comes to the playoffs. They'll shut you down. And they can win a game with one or two goals and then lock you down. They got Sorokin. They got great defense. It could be, it, they could be a little bit of a problem for the Bruins, but I mean, the Bruins are the Bruins, right? You look at the Bruins, they got unbelievable depth. They got incredible defense. They got an unbelievable goaltending tandem. And we're going to talk about the goaltending tandem. That's kind of one of the bigger topics I want to talk about is goaltending tandems going into the playoffs. But Boston has arguably the best tandem in the league in Allmark and Swayman. But the big problem with Allmark and Swayman for a lot of people is their lack of playoff performances and lack of playoff experience. So, yeah, I think, I think yes, that, that does have... Um, that does have some importance. I mean, uh, like I said, it, the playoffs are a completely different beast. And Boston has some inexperienced goaltending, I guess, when it comes to uh, the, the playoffs. So in terms of their, their records, uh, like <laughs> Swayman's only played in six playoff games. He's got a nine 9.06 save percentage, which is pretty good. And then Allmark, he's only played in, he's only been in two playoff appearances. That that sounds wrong if Allmark has only played in two appearances. But regardless, his save percentage is well under 900. So... That's definitely something you'll you'll look at with a little bit of an eyebrow raise or a little bit of concern if you're the Boston Bruins. But I mean, you look at how amazing Olmark has played this season. He is very he could easily win the Vesna this year. He's been out. He's been beyond outstanding. I mean, wow, what a season! I don't think anybody saw this one coming. And then Swayman's been just fantastic himself behind him. So they got a really good one-two punch, but. Their big problem is they don't have that experience in the playoffs, and if they're playing against a team in the Islanders or something like that, there's a ton of experience in the net for them. In uh, well, not so much in Sorokin; he's only been in seven playoff games, but he's got a 9.22 save percentage in the playoffs. But then, kind of their ace in the hole a little bit is Varlamov. Varlamov has a ton of playoff experience; he's been in over 60 games in the playoffs, and he has a 9.19 save percentage. So. They got a couple of goaltenders there with some 
playoff experience, one much more than the other, but both of them have played very well in the playoffs. So that would have me concerned a little bit. The, the Pittsburgh Penguins, not so much so. They got Tristan Jari and Casey DeSmith. A little bit of, um, maybe a little bit of a goaltending battle there. I think they're going to go with Jari as long as he's healthy and everything. But he doesn't have the best playoff experience either. I mean, he's an under 900 save percentage in the playoffs. DeSmith has been, he doesn't have, a, he's only been in one appearance. He has like a 940 or something. He's outrageous. But again, that's just, there's not enough of a track record there really for for that number to mean all that much, but, and then you got Florida, I mean, they got Bobrovsky, Spencer Knight, maybe Lions, whoever they decide to go in there with, regardless, we know that Bobrovsky has a lot of playoff experience, maybe not a lot of experience winning in the playoffs, but he's been there before, so there is that, I think a lot of the teams that, if they're going up against any team, I think that that is going to be one thing that the team is going to have an advantage of, arguably. They're going to have that playoff experience, but you look at the numbers of Allmark and Swayman, like, how worried should you be about it? I don't know, man. I don't think I would be all that worried as a Boston Bruin fan uh, for them to go down in the first round. I just, I wouldn't expect, like, a very easy win. Like, I think it's going to be... I think it's going to be a series, man, that for whoever's playing Boston in the first round, it's going. I don't think it'll be a sweep. I think it's going to be a battle, and I think Boston's going to get dragged into it a little bit, and I feel like a lot of the fans are expecting or hoping for a sweep. No doubt, no doubt. I just don't think it's going to happen that way. They're, the quality of the teams that are going to be in there this year and the, the battle that is going on right now for that final wild card spot, I just can't see that team going down with a whimper unless there is a serious injury concern. A lot like um, Nashville last year when they, they clawed, they crawled their way into the playoffs only for UC Soros to get hurt and he wasn't able to play. So it was like, oh, we got here and there's just no chance. If, the, if Nashville doesn't have UC Soros, there's just no chance. And there was no chance. They got absolutely obliterated by the Colorado Avalanche. So, yeah, that's... um. Pretty interesting, the goaltending tandems throughout the league. And now that I'm talking about it, let's just take a look at some of the, the goaltending tandems going into the playoffs, at least teams that are playoff bound right now. So let's start with the East. We already talked about the Bruins. Now we got the Toronto Maple Leafs and Samsonov and Murray. This is an interesting tandem because, I mean, there's a couple reasons why it's interesting. So Samsonov has the great home record. He's been playing outstanding at home. He's he's very good home record terrible on the road and then you got Matt Murray who's excellent on the road terrible at home so are the Leafs going to do something like have Samsonov play at home have Matt Murray play on the road as of right now we're going to be starting with Samsonov for sure Matt Murray's dealing with a bit of an injury right now bonking his head so there's going to be that so it's going to be I don't know as of today it'd be like Samsonov and Wool which I'm okay with I think I think Wool has played really really good but is that something that Keith Dubis would would deploy it, like I don't I don't think I think we're I think the, the reason why I'm bringing this up the, the tandems is because I think this is the year we're going to start seeing it more than ever we're going to start seeing goaltenders switching the net now I don't think we're going to see Vasilevsky out of the net there's still a couple goaltenders that like they're they're in there for the whole run like Shesterkin Vasilevsky Hellebuck if they make it in there those are guys that they're locked in. There's no way, uh, barring an injury, that those guys are going to be leaving the crease. That's just they're the goaltender. 
But a lot of other teams, I can see the other goalie getting in there. So I think that this season, we're going to start seeing more tandem goaltending in the playoffs, which has not been the norm. They usually stick with one goaltender when they switch it up. It usually doesn't work, but I I just think that this year it would work because those backup goaltenders are starting to get more playtime than ever. You're starting to see those starting goaltenders workloads come down they're starting not having 60 70 games a season you're starting to see 45 55 games instead and that's good you don't want to have a tired goaltender going into the playoffs because you're going to need your goaltender so you got the Toronto Maple Leafs with that I'm going with Samsonov as the starter but I would not be shocked at all if they if they do a tandem situation I'd be totally down with that just in terms of that record I mean Samsonov is unbelievable at home I don't really trust him on the road, and if Matt Murray has this great road record, like, why not try it out? I think that would be a lot of fun. And then you got the complete opposite in the Tampa Bay Lightning. You got Vasilevsky and Brian Elliott. Don't think Elliott's going to be seeing a whole lot of time, barring injury, but both goaltenders, sorry, I'll go back. Samsonov and Matt Murray, their playoff save percentage, Samsonov at a 907, Matt Murray a 921. So we got some pretty good, um, and of course you got the Matt Murray experience. Over 50 games in the playoffs played. Samsonov has, he hasn't even had 10 games in the playoffs just yet. So we have an experienced goaltender. We got a, a lack of experienced goaltender. So the Leafs have both kind of areas covered. Tampa Bay, you got Vasilevsky probably going to play <clears throat> their whole entire run. He has played in over 100 playoff games already with a 923 save percentage so yeah that's uh, yeah he's pretty fucking good so yeah they're they're gonna be okay with Vasilevsky Vasilevsky is Vasilevsky Carolina Hurricanes they're a bit more interesting they got the three tandem they got Anderson Ranta and Kachetkov Anderson's got a 916 save percentage 912 for Ranta and Kachetkov is an 869 in the playoffs but uh kind of a, <clears throat> a younger goaltender not a lot of playtime in the playoffs. So I would say that Carolina is going to go with Freddie Anderson. He's got over 50 games of experience, and I think he's a really good goaltender. As long as he's healthy, Freddie Anderson's a fantastic goaltender, really good in the playoffs for the most part. New Jersey Devils, you got Vanacek, Blackwood, and Schmeed. Uh, Vanacek, he's the only one with any playoff experience, and it's not a lot. He's played three games, and he's got an 855 save percentage. So a lot of people are Worried about the New Jersey Devils and their playoff run. Are they a big enough team to compete in a playoff series? And will they have the goaltending? I mean, the goaltending definitely is questionable. They got Vanacek. He's had a good. He's had a good season. Not not good in the playoffs so far. And then you got Blackwood. He has not played in the playoffs yet. And then Schmid has not played in the playoffs yet. So. They're probably going to go with Vanacek, but uh, yeah, I would definitely be a little bit nervous for the New Jersey Devils fans out there going into whoever they're going to be playing against. Looks like they're going to be playing New York. You're going to be going up against Shishjirkin and Yaroslav Halak. And I mean, we know what Shishjirkin can do. He's still kind of young to the playoffs, but he played 21 games with a 928 save percentage in the playoffs. So Shishirkin is uh, quite good, so that goaltending duel, you easily are going to be giving that to the New York Rangers, But um, and they also have Halak, who has not shied away from uh, some major playoff appearances as well, I'll always remember him <clears throat> with the Montreal Canadiens eliminating the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals, he's played over 39 games in the playoffs with a 919 save percentage, so if something goes wrong, they have Halak back there, but uh, he is... He's a lot older than he is now, but um, or he was back then, but 
Uh, yeah, that is that's definitely going to be the big um, the big outlier for that series. New Jersey versus New York will be the goaltending. I mean, up front, New Jersey's got a lot of talented players. So does New York. I, I would at this point, I would have to give the advantage to New York. They just got a they just look like they got a better playoff bound team, and that goaltending. I mean, it's just. It's it's such a big advantage for New York on paper, but you don't know until you get into the playoffs, man. Like, who knows? Maybe Schmid comes out of nowhere and just plays outrageous in the playoffs for some reason. Then, of course, you got... Uh, we talked about the Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins already, so let's go over to the West. So you got the Vegas Golden Knights. You got a lot of goaltenders over there, man. Like, it's... You got Tristan Thompson, Aiden Hill, Jonathan Quick, Laurent Boissois, Boissois! But um, I don't know, man. I don't know who the fuck they're going to go with in there. Like, you got Jonathan Quick. I mean, he's... Are they going to go with Jonathan Quick in the playoffs? I mean, Jonathan Quick in the playoffs is is an unbelievable goaltender. I mean, he's got a hell of a record in the playoffs. Uh, 92 games played in the playoffs with a 921 save percentage. So, on paper, that's the guy because Thompson hasn't played in the playoffs. Aiden Hill has not played in the playoffs. And Laurent Bressois has only made one appearance in the playoffs and has a 750 save percentage. So... On paper, for the Vegas Golden Knights, you got Jonathan Quick as probably the starter, but I have no idea. They're, they got to go with Thompson, though. He's been the goaltender all year, as long as he's healthy. But, like, you got that ace in the hole of Jonathan Quick. Playoff Jonathan Quick is not the same as regular season Jonathan Quick. So that's going to be really interesting to see what the Vegas Golden Knights are going to do. That could be another team that could play around with a tandem in the playoffs. You got the Los Angeles Kings and Copley and Corpusallo. So Corpusallo... He's got a really good good stat line in the playoffs. Only in nine appearances, though, but he's got a 941 save percentage. A lot of that against the Toronto Maple Leafs when he was absolutely shutting the door on the Toronto Maple Leafs. But, yeah, other than that, they got Phoenix Copley in that. He's got no experience in the playoffs. So, Corpusallo, they're going to be putting a lot into Corpusallo. Hoping that playoff Corpusallo shows up. If he is anything like that 941 save percentage, oh my god, dude. L.A. could could win a cup like with that if they get that kind of goaltending oh my goodness uh Edmonton Oilers you got uh Skinner and Campbell so Campbell has 14 games in the playoffs 915 save percentage I've always really liked play uh playoff Campbell for the Toronto Maple Leafs he was excellent the the two seasons he was here with us and then you got Jeff Skinner he's got no playoff experience I would say that that Skinner is going I, I don't know I might be calling him Jeff Skinner by accident my apologies but Skinner He's got to be the starter right now. He could win a rookie of the year. He could win the Calder. He's been playing really good lately. Picked up a like 10 or 11 wins in March. So he's had a really strong finish to the season here. Stolen away the starting role from Jack Campbell and looks like he's going to be the starter in the playoffs, but will they if it, how long is that rope for Stuart Skinner in the playoffs? Like will they go to Jack Campbell if if Stuart Skinner gets lit up in the first two games, first game like how long do you think that rope is for for Skinner like and like I mean Campbell yeah he had a nice big shutout there not too long ago that was amazing to see but we know how his season has gone it's been a pretty fucking awful season for Jack Campbell so going to be interesting I mean it's interesting to see how the goaltending goes down in the playoffs Minnesota Wild got Mark Andre Fleury and Gustafson. Uh, Mark Andre Fleury has an extensive playoff um, resume: 167 appearances in the playoffs, 9.12 save percentage. He's got a he's got a couple Stanley Cups there, actually three to be to be correct. So um, 
This one's interesting and well because you got Gustafson. He's had an excellent regular season. He's got no playoff experience. So, I mean, at some point you got to give the dude experience. At some point, so I mean, you got Mark Andre Fleury. He, I feel like you kind of have to give him the the net because he's got all the experience. But again, how long is that rope going to be for the legendary Mark Andre Fleury? Like, will they quickly go to Gustafson after one, two losses? Like, you don't have a lot of time to fuck around. Uh, Colorado Avalanche, they're going to be going with Gorgiev this year in France Sos. So Gorgiev doesn't have a lot of experience in the playoffs, only two appearances, but he's got a 936. So if you could bring something like that to the playoffs, I think the Colorado Avalanche will do just dandy. Francis, if he can stay healthy for more than eight minutes, uh, he's got 13 appearances in the playoffs. 899 save percentage, so not great, but he's been, he's, he's helped the Colorado Avalanche win some major games during some really tough times so uh he's been really useful for them so he's there got the dallas stars with ottinger and wedgwood i think the ott man has has deserved the net he doesn't have a big playoff experience but what we saw of him so far has been extremely impressive nine appearances a 956 save percentage so i don't expect him to do that again but um if ottinger is proving himself to be a playoff performer and if he does anything like that again Whole oh, buddy, Dallas is going to do some damage. They can, um, could be a problem. And then you got Wedgwood. He's got no playoff experience. So looks like Ottinger will be the man for them. Got the Seattle Kraken. Oh, God. Martin Jones and Grubauer. Both goalies have, have pretty decent amount of playoff experience. 62 games for Jones, 917 save percentage, 33 games for Grubauer, 913. If Grubauer could play anything like a 9-13 ever again, I think I think they, they say Seattle would would crap themselves. But oh, the goaltending has been pretty bad for them all season long. They're getting wins, but not not really by the goaltending. So that'll be an interesting uh, goaltending situation for them. Like I don't even know. Like I don't feel good about either of those starters. And then we'll finish off with the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, it's Hellebuck. It's Hellebuck all the way. Sorry, big save, Dave. But you're not you're not getting in there. With your with your two appearances, <laughs> Big Save Dave has um, zero losses and a 636 save percentage in the playoffs. So I don't think they're going to be using Big Save Dave. I think that's that's safe to say. And Connor Hellebuck, 35 appearances in the playoffs, a 921. Safe to say that that is probably the performance you're going to get from Connor Hellebuck in and around that 920. So... Going to be interesting, man, with the goaltending tandems going into the playoffs. What do you guys think? Do you think we're going to see more uh, switching of the goaltenders at the playoffs than ever? I feel like we are. I think uh, with the way that the league has been, backup goaltenders are getting more important on every team. And I think we're going to start seeing them appear more so in the playoffs. I think that would be really, really interesting. So speaking of really, really interesting, I guess we, we we got a milestone here for... Chris Letang, 1,000 games for Chris Letang. So congratulations for Chris Letang. Hell of a career so far. I mean, the two, what was it, strokes that he had or, or whatever that was. I mean, coming back from two of those, I mean, out, outrageous. And what a career for Chris Letang. I would say he's probably a Hall of Famer with all those Stanley Cup victories. Very, very good for him. 50 goal scorers in the NHL. I mean, I think we should maybe take a little bit of a, a talking to about that because I think we're going to have two 60 goal scorers in the NHL because David Pasternak is at 57 goals right now. He's got a few more games left, not too many, four more games. Will he get rested? I don't know. I don't think they're going to. I think they should get him to that 60 goals and we can have two 60 goal scorers in the NHL for the first time in 
I don't, I, has that ever happened before? Probably not since the 80s or something like that, but that would be really cool. <clears throat> and we got two other 50 goal scores. Got Miko Rantanen has hit 52 goals. So congratulations to Miko Rantanen. One hell of a season for him. Leon Drysile quietly hitting another 50 goal season for himself. I mean, holy crap, man. Like, Leon Drysidel, one, two, three, third, his third 50 goal season, not a big deal. And the only guy that I think could hit 50 that hasn't hit 50 yet is Braden Point, who quietly has been, yeah, Braden Point is, could hit 50 goals this year. I think that's outstanding. His best was 41 in 18-19, so he showed off that he could score, but after that he had 25, 23, and 28. It looked like he was kind of the 25-30 goal guy, but boom, he explodes this year. He looks like he's going to hit 50, and I really hope that he does because that's awesome. Other than that, you got Jason Robertson at 45, Tage Thompson at 45 as well. I mean, I could see Tage Thompson exploding for a, a big, a big goal game, but don't think that Robertson or Thompson are going to hit 50. But having five guys hit 50 goals is really awesome. Right now, we only have four, but I, I think Braden Point's going to get it done, man. I think he's going to get it done in three games, two goals. I think he's going to get it done. Uh, the last game that I saw with Tampa, they were, like, feeding him the puck a lot because they wanted him to get to that 50 goals. So, really cool. What, what do you guys think? Do you think that we're going to have two 60-goal scoring guys? Do you think that Robertson and or Tage Thompson will go off and just pop off 158,000 goals in the last couple games? That would be a lot of fun. Speaking of a lot of fun... Sidney Crosby, I just want to stop and have a little bit of uh, appreciation for Sidney Crosby because the guy is unfucking believable. Um, what really set me off to talk about Sidney Crosby is that incredible backhand goal that he scored like it was a while back now, like a week or so ago. But oh my God, dude, that guy has probably the greatest backhand of all time. That is <clears throat> to score a goal like that with your backhand is out of control. His backhand is as powerful as a wrist shot. It's God, it's so fucking good. I love backhand goals. They're probably my favorite. I mean, I love a good forehand, backhand shelf. I mean, oh my God, pop the water bottle. Oh God, all day long, all day long. But Sidney Crosby quietly having a spectacular season, 88 points in 79 games. It could be the first year that the Penguins missed the playoffs in a very long time. The whole, then the first, like the first time in Crosby's career since maybe his rookie season. But I mean, Sidney Crosby is still one of the greatest players of all time. He's still one of the best in the game today. It's just that the new wave is here. You got Connor McDavid. You got Austin Matthews. You got Pasternak. You got all these other new young guys. But Crosby is still unbelievable, man. He's still a top five, top ten player in the league still today. So I just wanted I just wanted to put a little love on Sidney Crosby because I think he's awesome. And, man... It's gonna be it's gonna be a really really weird day when Sidney Crosby isn't in the league, especially for me because he's been there basically my whole time watching hockey. Like he wasn't there the first year that I watched hockey, and then the lockout happened, and then boom, there's this Ovechkin and Sidney Crosby guy, and then I've been watching them ever since. So I don't know, man. I just um I'm not I don't think it's not we're not even close. I don't think yet to the end of Sidney Crosby's career. I mean, he's still over a point a game. I think we still have could have another five plus years of Sidney Crosby, which is great. But, <clears throat> excuse me, just wanted to put a little bit of love on Sidney Crosby before we get into the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, let's talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, I talked about the goalie tandem, but there's more about the goaltending I want to talk about. So, let's take a little bit of a look into next year a little bit. So, who are we going with as the goaltending for next year? We got Samsonov, 
buddy, we got to sign this guy. How much is Samsonov going to want? I mean, he played really well. If he happens to have an amazing playoff performance, I mean, what the fuck are we going to do? How are we going to pay this guy? Like, how much is Samsonov going to be worth? Four, five, six million dollars if he has a really good playoff? Like, I don't know, man. I hope that they can get him at in and around three, four million dollars for like three, four years, something like that. That would be incredible. And then we got the Matt Murray situation. What are they going to do with Matt Murray? Is he going to be the goaltender for us next year? Are they going to move off of him somehow? Are they going to trade him off to another team? Are they going to buy him out? And we're going to move on with Justin Wall? Are they going to? What is there? Maybe there's another guy out there that they could sign. Maybe they they find a trade out there for another goaltender. I think a lot of it relies on how the playoff goes. If Samsonov just kind of blows it and proves himself to be kind of a not a not a playoff goaltender, he could be a regular season goaltender, which is fine. And then know, maybe Matt Murray turns it on in the playoffs. <clears throat> Excuse me. And finds that that Matt Murray from 2016-17 and <laughs> goes on a run. I mean, all of us Leaf fans are, are praying for that. But, I don't know, with the play of Matt Murray over the last little while here, the injury to the head, I don't know. I don't really have a whole lot of faith that we're going to see that Matt Murray. But if he shows up, I mean, by all means, show up. I mean, I'm not going to stop you. But... I'm asking the question, who do you think is going to be the tandem in net next year? I wouldn't be surprised I wouldn't be shocked if it if it is the same Samsonov and Matt Murray. I think that would be okay. Matt Murray guaranteed to miss at least half of the season with injuries, so then boom, you're gonna have Justin Wall up there playing some games. He's been great in the games that he's played so far, looking really sharp in there so far. Not really enough games played yet for me to be extremely comfortable but what i've seen so far a daddy like daddy like what what wall has been doing in net so far so pretty good pretty good so far i like that and then i brought this up a few times but those those the sloppy starts man it's um it's been kind of trending over the last few weeks where the Leafs are getting like blasted out of the gate the shots are crazy it'd be like 10 to 2 the shots or something and then by like midway through the second period it's like completely reversed the Leafs all of a sudden got 28 shots to like their 15 shots you're like whoa what the hell is that so I don't know if it's like I almost want to I almost think of it like kind of like a UFC fight usually in round one of a UFC fight it's a lot of feeling out we're like okay let's try that let's find our range let's find the tempo let's find the speed and all that stuff and I feel like that's kind of what the Leafs are doing. They're they're finding their speed and tempo with the teams that they're playing against, and then they adjust in the second period, and then that's why they're such a good second period team. They got some of the most goals. I think they're third. They might be first. They I know they're a really good second period team, and I think that's the adjustment thing. They find their tempo, they find their pace in the first, they f- they figure it all out by the second period, and then they're off and running by the second and third period, they're, they're gone. But I'm a little bit concerned because um, <clears throat> hot starts are very, very important when it comes to playoff time. Almost every single game, one of the biggest conversations is who is going to score that first goal. The first goal is usually extremely important. They put a lot of emphasis on scoring the first goal. Usually who scores the first goal wins the game, so... I want the Leafs to have hot starts. I don't like the way that they've been starting games lately. So it's just something that I've, I've had my eye on. I, I don't like that. And I want I would really like them to be a very good first period team. But I don't know. Maybe it's um, something they've learned in the past that if they blow their load in the first period, then they, they won't be able to hang on to those leads in the second and third period. So maybe it's just been a completely different dynamic change. We, we ease into the first, find the tempo, find our pace, find our game. And then the second and third period... Where 
we're able to turn it on and we can find that gas when we need it, if we need it to hang on to a lead or to push to try and tie the game up. Something like that. I don't know. Maybe that's what Keith has been playing with. We know that Keith has been playing a lot with his toys. Got Ryan O'Reilly back in the lineup last night, looking fine, playing on the second line, looking decent. I mean, they lose to the Boston Bruins. I was not expecting them to win against the Bruins in Boston. I mean, you got like a 4% chance of winning that game <laughs> this year. So, but um, I was watching and I, I was, it was a good game, man. It was, it was nice to see uh, the fieriness, the fight right at the beginning with Lafferty. That was great to see people standing up for themselves. Samsonov looked fantastic out there. I mean, it looked good, man. It looked good. Yeah, would have been great to have a win right there, but I think the more important game on the calendar is going to be Tampa Bay Lightning next week. That's going to be that's going to be a tough one right there. It's back to back. You got Florida Tampa Bay, so it's going to be a tough game right there. Looking forward to that Tampa Bay game for sure. A little bit of a playoff preview without without a doubt, but they got to get those they got to get those sloppy starts under control. I don't want to see them getting outshot freaking 10 to 1 in in the beginning of these games in the playoffs because that's that's that ain't going to work in the playoffs especially against Tampa Bay. You let Tampa Bay get an early lead on you, it's going to be a very tough game to get back into. And then let's talk about Michael Bunting a little bit. I know everyone's been talking about Michael Bunting a lot, um, especially with him and his relationship with the referees and all that stuff. So Bunting over the last quite a little bit here, he's uh, definitely adapted his game. He does not look like Michael Bunting out there, and that's completely related to his relationship with the referees over the last this this whole entire season. Basically, I mean, it's become night and day at the beginning of the season. Bunting's drawing calls, everything's okay, and then midway through the season now he's getting absolutely no calls, referees are treating him like trash, and he's completely had to change his game because of it, and now it's like, is Bunting even like a top six player on the Leafs right now? Maybe not right now in the regular season, maybe when the rules change in the playoffs, Michael Bunting will become a lot more effective. I have no idea. You can refer to my referee rant from last week and how I have no idea how the games are played anymore. I cannot tell you how it's going to go. The referees at this point have complete control over the game, so I don't know how they're going to treat Michael Bunting in the playoffs. I don't know how they're going to treat the Toronto Maple Leafs in the playoffs. It it changes year by year, so we'll find out on game one what kind of uh, series we're going to be in for. We, we got... We got um, we were made very aware what kind of series we we're going to have last year in the first game when Wayne Simmons and Kyle Clifford got in their big hoopla and got suspended and all that bullshit. So that was fantastic. So we'll find out what kind of um, what kind of playoffs we're in for once the referees decide what they want to do once the playoffs start and everything. But um, Michael Bunting, man, the the question is like they threw it out there. I forget where I heard this, but they threw out like, would you do a six year deal? for Michael Bunting at $4 million per season. And at this point, no, absolutely not. Uh, mostly because of that six-year situation. $4 million, I mean, yeah, you could do worse, you could do better. But six years, that's like, ooh, I don't like that. I don't like that because, like, what if what if the league, what if the referees just decide that, oh, Michael Bunting, no, you're not playing the way that you're effective anymore. Now he's just a useless shell of the player that he used to be because the referees won't let him play the way that he plays. And, um... If that's the case, and Michael Bunting may end up becoming like a third, fourth line, maybe even a depth player at some point, because he's just not allowed to play the way that Michael Bunting is allowed to play. So, 
I mean, would you sign that deal? Six year, four million dollars for Michael Bunting? For me, no, absolutely not. Not not giving you six years, bro. I'm sorry. Four million dollars. I think we can work work around that. Maybe maybe a little bit less, but. Um, it's going to be interesting, man. Michael Bunting, at this point, he is just burning cash, and I don't know how much of it is really his fault. Like, he's clearly tried his best. He's really reined it back and and trying his best not to take those penalties and not to upset the referees, but referees are a little bit, like, once you piss them off, like, that's it. Like, you can send them flowers all summer long. You can send them chocolates, hockey sticks, the, the whole nines, but... It's going to take a lot of grease in the wheels, I think, until Michael Bunting is out of the bad books with the referees. And I don't know if you can get out of the bad books, man. I do not know if he'll be able to get out of there. We look at that Weidman guy who who bumped into the referee all those years ago on the Calgary Flames, and that pretty much ended his career. He was basically done anyway, but like that kind of like accelerated the ending of his career because the referees just wouldn't wouldn't have it with that guy ever again so I'm hoping for Michael Bunting man I hope that the referees are going to allow him to play in the playoffs and um, I hope he's learning a valuable lesson right now and um, you know um, even though it's terrible that you have to treat referees like I don't like yeah I don't endorse you like screaming and yelling at them but in a way they deserve it they deserve to be yelled and screamed at because they never get in trouble for anything so yeah obviously there's going to be a lot of frustration and animosity of towards the referees so I don't know man it's really really upsetting to see Michael Bunting Bunting treated this way by the referees throughout the season and him having to completely adjust his game and and it's just bullshit man it's straight up bullshit I don't like it But we'll just have to wait until the playoffs begin to figure out what kind of referee situation we're going to have ourselves. But we are getting so close, man. What, like two more weeks away until the playoffs start? So that is going to be awesome. And oh my God, I almost forgot about to talk. I almost forgot to talk about poor Devin Levi yet again. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. But Devin Levi has finally signed with the Buffalo Sabres and... Dude, so far, so freaking good for Devin Levi. Like, wow. I'm blown away that this guy was selected in the seventh round. I mean, they saw what he can do in the juniors when he played for Canada. He was a, a spectacular in that in that series. He gets taken in the seventh round. Florida Panthers trade him away for Sam Reinhart. Looks like maybe that might be a little bit of a fucking disaster for them. We'll have to just wait and see how the career of Devin Levi plays out, but in a short couple, I think he's played two or three games so far. Looked really good, man. That guy could be the answer for the Buffalo Sabres next season. Maybe they get into the playoffs and Devin Levi is one of the big reasons for that. So fucking awesome, dude. I love when young players <clears throat> come into the league and they're, and they're good, especially young goaltenders. I mean, it's so, so rare to see young goaltenders come in and it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, look at Carter Hart. He like started out so good and he's still so young, but it feels like he's been in the league for so long. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm excited to see uh, Devin Levi's career in Buffalo. Uh, I hope he doesn't shut out the Leafs a whole bunch of times throughout that career, but great to see Devin Levi. And of course, I'll quickly mention Matthew Nyes. He is in the final four thing or whatever. So uh, it's we're getting ever so close to seeing Matthew Nyes, hopefully here in the lineup. I don't know if he's going to make it into a regular season game or so, but regardless, he's playing well in the Frozen Four or whatever that he's in. So, so far, so good, man. I'm dying to see this player. Don't expect him to be like the answer to all of the problems. I just want to see him play, man. I just want to see what he can do, and I'm excited for it. So... 
I think that is going to be it for me this week, everybody. Sorry for the lateness of the podcast. It's just been a, a wacky week with the WrestleMania and all that stuff. And I will say that here right now, I'm going to announce the... I've been talking about it for the last few weeks. Really excited about this upcoming uh, wrestling award show that I'm going to be doing on Sunday. So... <clears throat> Now that WrestleMania is over, I'm going to be handing out a whole bunch of awards. Wrestler of the Year, Worst Wrestler of the Year. There's going to be a whole bunch of awards handed out. So check it out on Sunday, man. I'm really excited to do this show. Top 10 matches of the year, worst matches, all that. It's going to be a lot of fun. So look out for that one on Sat- on Sunday. Tomorrow, Saturday, I'll have the wrestling recap up for y'all. And then Monday, Monday possibly Monday or Tuesday, I might just move it over to Tuesday just so that there isn't like so many podcasts uploaded it'd be, it'd be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday so I don't know if I want to do four podcasts in four days that might be oversaturating the market so maybe we'll move the, the GamerCast to Tuesday, maybe I'll put it up on Thursday, but it's going to be a versus baby it's going to be Jack and Daxter versus Ratchet and Clank so it's going to be a first time I'm going to do a, a versus if you have any cool suggestions for other games you would like to see go up against each other like I don't know maybe Gears of War 1 versus Halo 3 that would be a fun one so if you any, have any cool suggestions like that I plan on doing um, continuing on with the versus series with Jack and Daxter going to go through the three three games that they had on the PS2 and put them up against each other and see who was the the best 3D action platformer on the PS2 back in the day because there's so many of them and Sly Cooper is in there as well I'll have to It'd be a lot of fun. It's just a new series that I'm playing with, so that'll be on Monday, Tuesday, or Thursday. It'll be up at some point this week. You can follow along on Twitter if you want to have more up-to-date announcements and all that stuff. You can follow along on YouTube, where I'm I'm doing double uploads on Saturday. Still playing Detroit Become Human over there. Planning on doing Resident Evil 8 Village after I am done with Detroit Become Human, so you can look forward to that. Tons of other Let's Plays on my YouTube channel prior, Resident Evil games, tons of stuff over there so if you're bored go over to the youtube channel link is all down there in the description or you can look it up gamer gx videos on youtube tons of videos over there like i said if you're bored need something to do go check out some of those videos you might like them or you can go back and listen to any of the prior gx gamer cast episodes they're they're listen listenable anytime they're not like a weekly news show or anything so you can just listen to a, an old GX Gamer cast whenever you want. There's a whole variety of them. I just love talking about video games. I do random old video games, new video games, reviews, video game topics. Uh, I have a really cool Versus that I'm planning on doing, a retro one, where it's, uh, it's going to be an old school console re- uh, console war, Xbox 360 versus PS3 versus the Wii, because, buddy, I grew up all up in that in that war. I had all three systems, and I have a lot to say about all three th- three of those systems. So that is a show that I am working on right now. will be uh, put up in the future at some point, and, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So, again, everybody, thank you so much for sticking around and listening. You are awesome. Let me know if you have any questions related to video games, hockey, or wrestling you want me to answer it live on the show let me know and I'll do so as long as it's appropriate and everything and yes enjoy your weekend everybody you made it oh my goodness we got the the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing the Habs tomorrow I mean honestly I don't really give a shit all I'm looking at is that Tampa Bay Lightning game next week that's that's the one I'm eyeing up I can't wait it's gonna be a lot of fun enjoy your weekend everybody and um, go Leafs go go